five, four, three, two, one. Cheers. 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 All right. Welcome back to the Wine Thursday podcast, where some of us will be drinking some wine, but we'll all definitely be talking some shit. I'm one of your co-hosts, Avery. We have Aya. Hello. Bryn. Hello, hello. Jess. Hi. And Mario. What up, what up? All right, whether you're joining us on a stroll, on a commute, or you need somebody to vibe out with on Wine Thursday, thanks for tuning in. Today, we wanted to talk about some current events, everything that's been going on in at least our country, wherever you're listening from, because we know we have listeners that are all over the world, which is kind of nice. So thank you for tuning in, by the way. But in the United States, on January 6th, there was an insurrection in our country, and tomorrow is Inauguration Day of our next president. So we wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on, what are our thoughts on it, and I'll just get us started with January 6th. Um, For those of you that don't know, pretty much, if you want to call them white supremacists, but I would like to label them as domestic terrorists that invaded the Capitol and they stormed the building. Never happened before, at least not for 200 years since, uh, I don't know my history that well, but the British, right? I think that's when that happened. I didn't know how to process it when it was all going on. I think I was teaching and it was towards like the end of the day for me. And my students were just like, hey, I'm not focused right now because I'm watching the news and I, I had no idea what was going on. All of you had texted about it in our group chats and I was so much going on right now. I think it wasn't really until within the next 24 to 48 hours that I started realizing the severity of it. And then I even think the week following because the news started uncovering, is that the right word? More things that I didn't see other than the I guess, racial injustices that I could tie to the sequence of events. I think I couldn't process it just because I felt so emotionally disconnected from my government for so long that I just didn't know how to feel. And I know I have more to say about it, but I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had the same reaction where I felt like such a disconnect. I don't know. It it felt like, are we really living in this reality where there's just people just being led into, (laughs) into the capital with like, No one's stopping them, really. Like, there was little to no action being done to stop them from coming in and then doing all the horrendous stuff they'd done. Yeah, it just baffles me that we live in a time where, you know, we... I mean, Civil Rights Movement wasn't, like, too long ago. But I I thought we'd have, like, some type of improvement. But then we see this, and it's mainly Caucasian people coming into the um, capital. Barely any police or military forces stopping anyone from coming in. But then there are peaceful protesters from like a couple months back that aren't really doing anything or like for the majority part aren't doing anything and they're doing everything by the book. But then they're getting like pepper sprayed and they're getting like tased and they're getting, a, you know, all the horrendous stuff that happened a few months ago. Uh, it's it's so it's it's so dumb. No one's like taking action. I don't know. I can't help but laugh how how fucked up this is. You know, like the the meme that's like disappointed but not surprised. That's literally like how I felt when hearing the news. I mean, ever since like with everything happening, even like when I wake up, I wake up, I go on Twitter, I get texts from you guys, and it's always like some insane thing that's happening like in our country or in the world somewhere. So I think I'm just at this point where it's just like I've kind of just been like desensitized to everything. Same as like what you guys are saying, I've just had like this disconnect from like our government for a long time. And, you know, with like 
President Trump and like how he has said things in the past. Like, for example, when white supremacists have had like their march, you know, he called them very fine people. They're fine people on both sides. You know, he told white supremacists, um, the Proud Boys, to stand back and stand by. So for me, I saw this, it's sad to say, but I kind of saw this insurrection as like, I kind of felt like it was bound to happen. Or, you know, I felt like this was something that probably a lot of them had been planning to do for a while. And like, I don't want to say that, like, like, it still baffles me when people are saying like, oh, this is not who we are. This is not America. When like, literally in 2016, so many of us predicted like, this is the behavior that would be enabled. I don't know. I can't even be like surprised at this point, but I'm just like really sad that like we've gotten to this point where, or I have, where it's like, I can't even be like surprised anymore. And I think it's just how, how we've seen our government treat white people as opposed to people of color and especially the black community. And you just see, it's just a major difference. Yeah. I have to like agree when I ever, whenever I think about it, I always remember the fact that most of them are like, oh, but do you remember when um, Trump got elected after the inauguration? We had so many of those marches. You have so many of those riots and those protests. Like, And then they always think about the Black Lives Matter, those protests, and like how the news always shows like people rioting or breaking into businesses and stuff. But it's like one of the differences is the fact that you're fighting or you, the people that stormed the the Capitol, you're fighting for delusions. Everyone else was fighting for injustices to like for like actual social justice. I, I understand like the whole like we're fighting for our freedom, but you're literally fighting to uphold white supremacy versus the freedom versus like Black Lives Matter versus the beginning after the inauguration of Trump where everyone was like, we're fighting all the POCs are like we're fighting for our freedom that we haven't experienced at all yet right I think that's really and it ties in the articles or one of the, whatever like trending topic topic was with um one of the someone was waving the Indian flag and all of India was like we don't claim you don't you think that's embarrassing like why would you do that you know we don't want to be associated with you guys What's more baffling is following the events, I think is even more baffling to me about how they had the impeachment trial in the House. And the whole point is that who was responsible for even enacting such a violent emotion towards politics than Donald Trump? Literally that morning, it was in black and white. He had fighting words. He wanted them to go like hell at the Capitol. And the craziest part is people still believe that that was supposed to mean some other context. Like he didn't, no, no, no. He wasn't trying to like ensue a violent uh, mob and create an attempted coup. No, he wasn't trying to do that. He was just voicing his feelings on the fraudulent election. And I'm like, all right, first of all, there's a problem there. I can get past the whole uh, it was a fraudulent election part. I can, you know what? If you believe that, go ahead and count your chickens. That's fine. But to tell me that you didn't believe that whole speech was not supposed to be some attempted coup, you must be like deaf. You must not understand or comprehend the language of English. It's like it's in black and white. And then the fact that even some Republican representatives 
or like, yes, he did say that. You got people, I mean, obviously political parties is not supposed to mean that you're supposed to side with them. You just have the same ideologies as them. But a lot of Republicans... What did, um, what did Rudy Giuliani say? That he wanted a trial by combat? Something like that. <laughs> that was some, some <laughs> stupid shit. Huh? Man. Huh? Yeah, it was so dumb. I'm just like, what? What are what are these people expecting that you know all of these they're saying it on live they're caught in like 1080p what the fuck in like 4k <laughs> like I just I you know and it's so funny because a lot of people and then people were like that was I was actually talking to this to Jess and you guys earlier wow there was a potential witch hunt for those who voted towards impeaching Trump they wanted them like hung like like witches in the 1600s in Salem they wanted their heads. Simply because there was evidence of potential insurrection, of potential reasons to be impeached. Like, hello? It's right there. And you're going to get mad. Why? Because of the delusion that Jess was talking about. They're fighting because they're delusional. They don't want to believe that a president who did a four-year term, that obviously, if it wasn't for his, if it wasn't for his, like, actual, him, like, his actual self, like, business-wise, okay, he's got it down. But as a person and as a politician, I mean, there's some things that he did wrong, but there's some things that, yeah, you can't really say economy is like the greatest, but even before COVID, but you could say that at least not 100% of every president is going to do a bad thing. I'm not going to like, you know, because obviously he's done some things, very minute things, but he's done some things right that people can argue for. But obviously, there's like a 90 percentile of all the stuff that he says, that he does, that he acts, that he portrays, that he tries to make the world believe that it's his world and that it's no longer a Republican versus Democrat presidential race anymore. It's more kind of like, do you have morals or do you not? Patriots and the traitors. In a sense, it's like that. You just can't you can't speak your mind about politics in today's world without some group of people wanting your head. It, it really doesn't have to get to that level because everybody everybody has their side in politics even way before trump even way before obama you know people oh there's a reason why they're republican there's a reason why they're democrat now it's become more of like a hatred thing you, you can't even speak your own mind about what you believe in and what you're siding with because apparently it's wrong but then again no side is right but no side is wrong it's just if that's how you think that's how you think but you have to understand one thing and cumulatively we all have to understand that Donald Trump is not a good person. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It does not matter if you're Democratic or Republican. Mm-hmm. What he's done and as a person is like beyond human measure. You cannot tell me otherwise because you have never seen a president instill that much fear into so many groups of different POC communities. And you have no idea how crazy this world has become a divide because of his presidency. Like, it's not it's not even like you got the closeted racist, as my dad calls him. You got the closeted racist in like being proud of being racist. And now they're going out of their way to like ruin someone's day, potentially ruin someone's life. And it's like all because their president said a couple things about a group of people like they're not afraid anymore. But now that we have Inauguration Day approaching and Donald Trump's days in office are now done. Will this change? I hope so, but it's still going to be an issue. You can put the most whitest, most conservative president. If Joe Biden was Republican, I don't think anything would have changed. I think people are just mad at the fact that Trump's not president. It's not even the fact that it's Republican versus Democrat. I think they're just mad because Trump's not president. That's really what it is. Literally, every Republican candidate trying to beat out Trump for 
a chance at running for president. They were all mocked. They were all destroyed within their own people, I guess you can say. All because they just want Trump. Because they, they feel safe being sent 200 years back in history, socially. And it's just like, damn, why is that? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not really, it's not even really about being like Democrat or Republican anymore. I, I'm assuming we're we're all Democratic leaning here. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with being Republican because it, Repu- Republicans, as we learned in like AP Gov, they do, they just support certain, certain laws or like certain, certain things like conservative things. By now you should be embarrassed that you're a Trump supporter. <laughs> it's, I mean, to his credit, there were a few things that he did okay on, did good even on, given that. You're really going to go down when you have like kids and like grandkids and stuff. You're really going to go and tell them the stories of how you supported a dude who who got impeached twice. And like he'll go down in history being the only president so far to have been impeached twice. And he like just instigated all of these horrible things to happen to this country. And you're just going to be like, yeah, I supported that dude. He he let people into what should be like the safest place in the country because it represents who who we are as a as a government in the world oh man that's just hilarious like if you if you're still a trump supporter by this point you're and and after this once presidents change terms and stuff and you continue just to support his ass like i mean g- good on you man you you got tenacity to keep doing that yeah that's fucked up though what was insane to me was that i don't know if you guys saw but did you guys see that video where i think it was like when they broke into the Capitol and they took down the american flag and then they put down put like the trump 2020 banner did you see that oh, yeah what they did that i yeah. didn't see it but i think was it you all that messaged about that i think someone so. said it in the chat i know i retweeted it but it, like there was a video of like a guy doing that where like they took down the American flag, they put the Trump 2020 banner, and then you see everyone that's outside who was trying to break in, they saw it and they were all like cheering and like going crazy. And for me, that was just like the clearest thing in the world to where it was like this whole entire time, it wasn't even about politics. It wasn't even about whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. It's literally just people praising Trump, praising his ideals and how he's enabling white supremacy because those those are his people. And that's just what it's been about the whole entire time. And so, which is like, it baffles me sometimes because especially even during the Black Lives Matter movement, like this past summer, how there are so many Trump supporters or even like Republicans where they're like, you know, you just like listen to the law, just obey the law. Like our government's here for a reason. And then you're going to turn around and do this shit. You know, it's like you only, you only like about Blue Lives Matter either. Exactly, exactly. Because here you were shitting on the police who were trying to keep you out, even though like they weren't doing anything at all. It just made things so much clearer where they only cared about the government and appreciated the government only when it benefited them. It wasn't about mm-hmm. equity ever. It was just for own personal mm-hmm. gain. They they finally found a person that exhibited everything they wanted them to do, which is white supremacy, which is everything, like everything that is you know what okay whatever i'm just gonna go into like okay i wanted to say because you guys kept bringing it up there is such a thing called the five moral foundations which is why people lean left and why people lean right and so i had to look it up because i completely forgot what they were sorry don't mm, (laughs) sorry 
professors i'm so sorry but <laughs> so the five sets of moral um intuitions are harm care oh they're also they're on spectrums by the way so they're harm care fairness reciprocity in-group loyalty authority respect and purity sanctity so if you believe in the harm care and the fairness reciprocity you lean left the other three you lean right it makes complete sense why when trump was like running in the first place his entire thing was purity sanctity making it great again it's authority and respect the constitution whole thing and in-group loyalty those are the three main points that he hit which is why those people you can't sway them he hit all three marks and that those are their like trigger points where they're like oh my god he is our leader he will get us out of this low place that we are at right now and so i completely get what you're saying i completely like i uh i understand you're like you have balls to like say that you're still supporting trump after this but it's like in their brain it's not gonna switch it's not gonna flip and it's so I don't want to say sad, but it's so sad mm -hmm. because you you want to be like, nah, there's some there's something good in them where we like they can change. But like at some points, I mean, OK, there there are some ways you could you can like manipulate it. You can sway it with by like reframing their words. But until their leader says it, it ain't going to happen. And it, that's the saddest part, because like the fact that when well, Mario, you brought it up. The fact that even before and during it, he was like, no, you are good people. We love you guys. That just reinforces it so much. And it's, ah. I think but it's crazy. Sad. Sad. It's, it's crazy, too, because now we've kind of like, like how I brought up that Democrat-Republican dispute is not, no longer a thing. People now have choose to be extremists or just out of the loop in politics. Wait, and it's wait, almost wait. like I want to I want to counter that. I do think it's still a Democrat Republican thing. It's no, still like the li liberal and conservative. No, but definitely. it's like the labels have gone more extreme. Labels it's not gone. just like the labels aren't there anywhere. It's just they've gone farther apart. Yeah. So I just wanted to clear that. No, yeah. The mm -hmm. labels the labels have become extreme. Apparently you're just a different person if you're in the middle of that spectrum because there are people that lie in the middle. They take both sides in good consideration and they're just kinda in a neutral stance. You're like, okay, well one side I believe in a lot of things and the other side I do too. But then it becomes like a hate thing to want to be in the middle and be neutral because obviously if you're neutral you're viewed like your opinion doesn't matter because you're kind of like taking both sides. Or so whatever. Oh, oh, oh say, oh. take a take a take a drink, everyone. My camera went out. I was gonna say, or they're viewed as like indifferent, and they're kind of asshole to be indifferent because, like, on the liberal side, it's kind of like, oh, like you're just you're just turning a blind eye to to all the shit he's done. And then on you know the conservative side, it's like, oh, you're. You're not supporting our cause. Like this could be a a greater country, all that stuff. It's yeah. like it's to the point where like you have to be and almost like on polar opposite ends. Like if you don't take it, then like it's almost like you're not viewed as like a true American or something like that. Politically, I'm gonna use this example because this is a real example, not political. This is just science. So, anyways, I understand it's very important. Like in nowadays in this pandemic, we gotta wear masks. Everywhere you go, it's just common courtesy, you know? You don't want to, you want to stop the spread. So wear a mask when you go outside. 
and you're around people because you you may not carry it but those people may carry it and you might get it from them and if you get it from them then your carelessness will spread it to other people so i get that that's important however like i said there's the extremists some people like myself are not able to control that factor very well considering i work and i go to work as a quote-unquote essential worker and i'm exposed to people that don't want to follow the rules so in terms of that i could get covid even though i'm following the guidelines does that make me somebody who doesn't respect those who've died from covid no but i'm going to be labeled as such if i have covid and i think that's a frustrating thing like i said it's not political but you could take that into a political stance a different example where it's like there's just some things you just reasons why you're in the middle for example like there's people that need to support their families so they have to go to work yeah they got to sacrifice maybe potentially getting sick and having to bring that back to their family but that's a risk they got to take in a capitalistic country where you got to make money and it's like how else am i going to make money unemployment can only take you so far and for those who are employed and working a well-paid job or even if you're just getting minimum wage you're just trying to you're just trying to support the people you're with or even support yourself i might get covid and i might tell people and then they're going to be like oh you got covid because you didn't follow the rules it's like well actually i did follow the rules it was because i was affected by somebody who didn't and therefore, now I'm labeled as the bad because somebody else didn't do their part. So it's like you, you just can't you just can't take a middle stand. Apparently, it's either you follow the rules or you don't follow the rules. You can't just say, well, there's reasons why this happened to me or A, B and C. It, it's really hard to get to people's heads when, like, as Jess said, things are now being labeled extreme. They're still there, but people are kind of taking it to a level where they're kind of forgetting like just common sense like if you put two and two together you're gonna you're gonna obviously get something out of it why'd you get sick oh because they spread it how they spread it to you because they weren't wearing a mask wow you're a terrible person now you got to come back to your family with that and you might kill someone is it my fault i guess it is you gotta live with that guilt just because you were just trying to support your family it's, it's really tough it, it really is tough yeah i mean it, to your point to COVID example, we are a very individualistic society compared to like, let's say, Korea, where you can get jailed or fined for breaking the 14 day quarantine once if you travel there. And because there's such a what's the opposite of individualistic collectivistic. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, I, I had like two classes with one professor who kept talking about it. It's like, OK, Antonyms. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, compared to that, we're super individualistic. There's definitely, like, a point that I, I wanted to kind of, like, tie in with this whole, like, inauguration coming up. It's it's funny because, like, I really don't know a lot about Biden. I'm gonna just be honest. Like, I know his views are very for the people, even for Trump supporters. Like, as his speeches in the last few days of elections were, it's like, he wants to include everyone and be there for everyone, including the people that, you know, were against him. He's trying to be on top of COVID situation, you know, just all the all the things that need to be important right now. But yeah, I, I really don't know much about Biden. And I can say for a lot of people who voted for Biden that we all just wanted to be anti-Trump. We all voted to get this dude out of office and not deal with the same four years bullshit or even worse. I, I want to think this is going to be like a good next term. I, I really just don't know what's going to happen. And I think it's going to start off like really badly. My dad was telling me about how in the last few days of trumping in office he's been doing like all these pardons all these last minute like mm -hmm. policy changes and stuff like that he recently lifted the travel ban even though covid's still like a huge thing yeah it's fucked up 
And my dad was telling me, like, his thoughts on it. And he was like, Trump's just trying to do all this bad shit, like the tra- uh, lifting travel ban and stuff, so that Biden has to carry all the weight of fixing it. I'm just like, I, I don't disagree with you. I can completely understand if that is the case. Um, so childish. I know. I, I also want to bring up the point where he's making, like, making all these people American heroes. Like, he made, the only good thing is that he made Kobe Bryant an American hero, which, like, to, to the people who, lo- who love basketball or just have idols like, like Kobe Bryant, that's, that's great. He was, a, he was a great person. But then he also made Einstein, which was good for science. But he also made Christopher Columbus an American hero. <laughs> uh, and I, like, every, everyone who at least knows American history and knows the truth about how, how we became this great nation or whatever, how, how fucked up that is. And, man, like, Trump's just trying to fuck shit up before someone else has to take on the load. I just want to ask everyone, like, how do you... If, if you've seen the trends of, like, who's he's, who he's pardoning, like Lil Wayne and, like, other people like how do you how do you feel about these last minute changes and how do you think it's going to go forward once we have a a new president and stuff i'm going to be honest i don't really know much about who he has pardoned or who he's made like american heroes but i can't speak like about the inauguration i mean like how you were saying aya like it does seem like biden is very like from his speeches you can tell he's trying to be for he always says it he's always like I'm not here just for Democrats or not just for Republicans. I'm here for Americans and all that. And like, it's it's really nice to hear in theory, but it also kind of like scares me at the same time, because just knowing how at the end of the day, he is part of a political party, you know, he is going to make some decisions. I know he's trying to please everybody, but like, I know he can't. Someone is going to be disappointed about something. So I think I'm more of just kind of like, don't know who he's going to disappoint. So I'm just kind of weary for that. I don't know if it's going to be as extreme as Trump, but... Wait, sorry, you, before, before you go, I just want to answer. The reason why he's saying all the fa- for the people, everyone, is um, it's probably a social psychologist being like, hit the five, hit the five morals, the one that I was just saying. Because it does um, try to bring everyone in, especially considering he's like, we're all patriots, we're all citizens, we're all, you know, it's like, it's, trying to hit their morals so that it brings them back to the center so we all go back to the center yeah i mean like his slogan is build back better mm-hmm. is that a slogan no. yeah it's a slogan oh um, <laughs> that's his uh that's his uh what's what was obama's thing was it hope or no it was like hope. yes we can right yes we can yes we can yeah so that's 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 biden's thing build back better oh you know? damn i didn't see yeah. like that's how much i don't know about biden like i don't even um, know the slogan yeah that's the only thing i do know you know, just to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier, but to move us forward. Yeah, everything is extremely polarized right now. And my students were so emotional about this stuff way more than us. Like how we talked about how, our, how desensitized you we were to it. And they were all furious because there's no middle ground. They want to speak up and they can't because they're too young. Good on your kids, um, man. I was really, I was really shocked. I was like, Dude, they, they were. My classmates were, in high school were like, they're all fucked. Like, yeah, really? all my classmates in high school, a lot of my classmates in high school, when, you know, Obama was president, they're all like, fuck Obama. Like they were just hardcore Republican. And they're like, do you even know anything ew, about okay, Obama? Wait, and ew. like, uh, yeah, they really were. It was pretty weird. But who was running Mitt Romney? No, that was when Romney? I was. Romney? John McCain. Was, John McCain. John McCain. Oh, I think first, the election was. was Romney. Yeah, the election was coming up for Romney. So I think by the time I was a senior, all of the DNC and everything, whatever was happening. But yeah, like a lot of the, which is 
kind of nice to hear but a lot of the kids are just like why does everything have to be so cancel culture why does everything have to be so extreme people just talk and find a middle no, ground it's not the and, internet all of the time and, it's not just cancel culture yeah well i mean with these kids they're only like on tiktok literally like they don't do anything else but then <laughs> like hearing that from them I'm like okay like you know these children are open to having a conversation and i don't know more people need to have that but anyways echoing what i said like yeah I think I'm just as blind with Biden as I was for Obama. Um, I had the opportunity to vote for Obama. I was freshly 18, 19. I had no idea what his platform was. When I was in eighth grade, when he ran the first time, it was like, we might have a first black president. And Hillary was running too for the position, right? Um, or to be the Democratic nominee. I didn't really understand what was going on as in eighth grade. But I was like, okay, cool. Obama becomes president. Four years weren't so bad, you know? I think when he got elected, my dad went from unemployed to having a job. Obama brought the economy back up, though he had we to had deal Obamacare. with a lot of shit. Yeah, Obamacare came in, though, though, like we had that 2008 recession. And was it swine flu? Was that what it was first? I think that yeah. hit. And then Ebola came along later on. But Obama carried us through all that stuff. And then Trump got to ride the wave after and have these good graces of look at what, how I'm such a great president. And so like you didn't do anything. That was literally Obama and Biden. But to Aya's point, I don't know anything about Biden. Build back better. And that he wants to cancel student loans. That's probably about it, I think, because that's all I was interested in. Um, I think I know more about the other candidates. I think I know more about Andrew Yang than I do Biden. I do. I know more about Andrew Yang. I, I like he had my vote and I was really behind him and I really researched him because I was so curious. Like no one had challenged all of the nominees that way. No one spoke out in the debate in a way that he did. He was just like, I would ju just address everything like it is. I don't I care. Jokes, man. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was real. He was real about mm -hmm. it. And it, a lot of people brought up and asked me, like, is it is that just because he's Asian American? At first it was. And then when I started looking into his stuff, I'm like, no, this guy's actually just being very realistic with how he's seen America, how he's grown up in it as an American citizen, not as an Asian. And he's an American citizen, like from the Midwest or whatever. For mayor of New York. Oh, oh wow. Oh, Good yeah. for him. Wasn't his yeah. slogan like make America smart again or something? It was make America think again. It was the math. I think again. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like was math. Ooh, okay. And um <laughs> What's great, he was such a good, at least to the media, he was a very good sport about getting out of the um, election race because once he started doing all the commentary of the of the Trump versus Biden like election, he he was very like objective on both on both ends, and it was it was really great to see. Man, I miss that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back. Me too. Uh, he actually had a plan too that he like yeah. he did. That's like how he started. He like said, "This is what I want to do," which is he like said he wanted to give part. everyone fifteen hundred dollars like a month, right? Yeah, the universal yeah. basic income. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I know more about that because I don't know. I was really I was down for it, you know. No, um, that's the that's the conversation that opened up with kind of uh, what you all were talking about with like the extreme ends and the polarizing language and everything. Is that people were looking at nominees or candidates like Sanders or Yang? and saying they're too socialist. And it's like, I don't really think it's that they're so far left. It's that they're, just, lack of a better word, more humanizing ideas to help people. And it was Obama that actually put something out about the Democratic Party prior to the election, saying that the Democratic Party right now is so divided, that there's people who are too far left or whatever it is that are like, no, as a Democrat, you're being too socialist slash communist. And it's like, that's not what I'm thinking. There just isn't this like cohesiveness between, I don't want to make it so 
only two party system, though it is, but it's like no one was on the same page. And so that's kind of where all these people move towards either a third or the middle ground, I guess. I don't even know if I can consider myself like I vote Democratic, but I'm kind of leaning on ideas that are more socialist, I guess, because I just want health care and income for everybody and access to education. I just want equity. Like uh, There were some things that uh, going back to like all those policy changes that Trump is doing last minute. Luckily, Biden administration is aware of it. They're super aware of it. They're on top of this shit. They're just like, oh, you want to do this? You want to do that? Okay, bet. And also shout out. Shout out Julie Chavez Rodriguez, senior advisor of Biden administration. She is going to be responsible for really fixing the immigration policies. Really. It's been very hard to make such changes with COVID-19 being a thing. Because obviously, traveling from one country to another, you could be a carrier. I get that. But let's not scapegoat immigrants for being carriers because they simply just want to go to another country. That was kind of like... That was kind of like the biggest dispute that everybody had. They're like, no, they need to stay where they're from because they're going to bring more than just COVID. They're going to bring everything else that we don't want. And it's like, okay, how about the European immigrants? I'm not just talking about Mexican. How about the Asian immigrants, African immigrants? Shit, maybe even Australia. There's people that want to come to the US. They're not, they don't necessarily have to be colored. They don't necessarily have to be from south of the border because apparently that's the only country these white supremacists think cross the border but anyways <laughs> you got canada but also think about it julie rodriguez uh I, I read up on it she plans to uplift certain things in the immigration policies because a lot of it is not going to be easy to do because covid 19 is a thing and they're very aware of that but one thing's for sure there's a lot of illegal immigrants that still live in this country now how can they secure themselves in this country. Well, according to her and their Biden administration, they're going to derive a plan that is going to give over like 11 million illegal immigrants in this country easy access to citizenship. Is that the eight year thing? Yes. Okay. They don't want these people to like live in fear that they're going to get caught by ICE and sent back to wherever they're from because that's what they're doing right now. They're living in this country not comfortable. They're not comfortable about it, but they know the longer they stay, the better they feel that their chances of getting through it is going to be better. But you know damn well that it doesn't always end like that for a lot of those people. So the eight-year plan is one of those things that they're going to try and do. They're going to try and give these people a chance to stay in this country and not be, you know, blamed for COVID. Because obviously that's not the reason why they're afraid of immigrants. Let's be honest. They're not blaming immigrants for COVID. They're just, they just don't like they're just racist. <laughs> that's that's really what it is. They just don't want other people. It's like, okay, cool. Another thing Biden also talked about, he always talks about my first hundred days of presidency is going to change the world, basically. In those over first hundred Yeah. The in these first hundred days, he promises over a hundred million vaccination distributions. A hundred million. And he's gonna try and follow that pyramid of priority. So obviously they want to get with healthcare needs to get their vaccines. Elderly people need to get them. People in risk with health conditions. They want to make sure the top of the pyramid is dealt with. But of course, the main goal is everybody is able to get it. They're not going to try and force you out of the priority. But, you know, they're going to at least he's going to at least try and get everybody vaccinated. And then on top of that, getting everybody vaccinated, he does plan on opening up schools. He wants to open up schools. Biden administration wants to open up schools, but they don't want to do it in a way where it's going to be a health hazard because obviously when you think of that it's like oh shit everybody's going back to school everybody's going to be close to each other yada 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 biden's going to try i don't know how he's going to do this but he says something about he's going to 
have an educational course on health and safety during the pandemic. And it's going to be issued by his own people. And it's going to spread across the country. All these districts are going to learn how to properly learn in a safe environment, but in person, instead of doing the Zoom shit. So I know a lot of you that are listening to this right now that are still in school, whether you're in high school, college, or shit, your little five-year-old's trying to like yeah, learn his zoomers. ABCs. You Zoomers? <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right now. He's trying to get y'all in school, even if there's a, still a pandemic. Don't be scared. It's a little scary at first. But obviously their plan is whatever they teach these kids at schools while practicing safety and, and all those guidelines, uh, he just wants the world, to, but progressively. Because obviously, as the saying goes, the Roman Empire wasn't built overnight. It's going to take some it's going to take some time. I don't understand why people think when Biden hits office, boom, COVID's gone. <laughs> like, it's like that's... January 1st. Man. I wish. I wish. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, come on, man. Let's be realistic. It's going to take it's going to take the whole year. I just maybe less, but at least a year. I just wonder yeah. what like productivity is going to look like once everyone starts going back to work like physically cuz everyone's now for for the most part everyone's used to um working from home. I'll I'll put it into an example of like my my brother and his and his fiance. Oh, that's so weird to say fiance. fiance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I have to stop saying girlfriend cuz I'm like now She's the fiance. Oh yeah, congratulations to my to my brother and his fiance. That was like almost a month ago, but <laughs> they both work for UCLA. One for I think the financial department, and the other for anesthesiology. Yes, there you go. <laughs> they they both work at UCLA, and prior to the pandemic, their day like revolved around like commuting. They would leave the house by like five or five thirty. Um, get there by. 7 30 or 8 and then leave like i think i'm at, at around like 4 4 30 to get home by like 6 6 30 and then i i'm just wondering like how in terms of like commuting and then trying to get back into um being like the working in a physical distance uh with other workers like how prod- productivity is going to look like work from home has been super convenient for me i, I dodged a bullet not having to commute if Biden plans to reopen schools, I have to drive back to San Francisco every day. Don't look forward to that. But today, in, in I mentioned earlier, or before we started recording, that I was doing this training and some there was this activity I had to do about the pros and cons of distance learning or online learning. And most of the teachers, myself included, talked about the pros and cons for ourselves. No one talked about it for the students. And we tried to put ourselves in the students' shoes and we could only think of cons for the students. I don't think really any student sees it as a pro right now, especially at the high school level where they need social interaction. I'm curious as to how they would reopen schools in terms of productivity. I think like, mm, I don't know, maybe I could get back in schedule. That's just for me personally. But honestly, like being at home, I unhealthily, as I've mentioned before, work nonstop. So I think I'm the most productive here, question mark. But then if I was at school, there would just be a rigid timetable. You know, there's a certain time for things. There's more deadlines, I guess. There's just so many missing, what's the word I'm looking for? Physical lines of here's a meeting, this is a deadline or whatever. I don't know. It, for me, it's like being my office, being my room. I'm trying not to get settled because I keep buying equipment to make this workspace better for me, like the microphone, like the cameras, like a second monitor and all this stuff. But then in a couple of months, if they're going to have us go back to school, what am I going to do with all this? Like that was, is futile. It was because you know? we were so like, we're such like, what's the word where like we depend on like the clock as 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 working people 
every day is is scheduled or is planned by the hour by the minute that that's kind of what it was to as probably for, for you as a teacher that's what it was like getting to school by like 7 seven thirty, starting to teach at 8 stopping at like three thirty, and then having to do like meetings and stuff after same thing goes with like when I I, I mean I work part-time for HR but it was the same thing where I had to be there at a certain time do certain smaller goals like throughout my shift and then go to class after like once like we were working from home everything kind of like melded and like became kind of like in a gray area where like I'm pretty sure a lot of people who work from home can say the same thing where it was probably like two minutes before you had to start your shift or log on to your log on to your working program or whatever and then you just started I probably woke up at the time my shift started and I just had like my lap like working laptop open already as I was kind of waking up out of delirium, I was like, st I was writing emails. And then once shifts uh, ended, it didn't seem like I was doing anything because I was already at home and I was just working. It wasn't like being in a physical office and communicating with my coworkers or having to move around from like department to department, whatever. Oh, oh, perfect timing. God said to stop talking. <laughs> I kind of wanted to add since I had I have like a weird like connection experience to it to where like as some of you guys remember I worked at a lab right that lab yeah. was a good hour away com like commute wise and so working there going like commuting waking up at like 4 or 5 a.m just to get there on time and then I guess like going back to school and in this sense, it's like the opposite where like when I'm at school, I live either on campus or like at most 10 minutes away. Even just that difference where like everything that I had to do was there. So like if you think of San Francisco is my room, that was basically it versus me having to go an hour away, like wake up, work an eight hour shift, no, work a nine hour shift because commute. And then drive back home an hour again. So that whole sense, like having to flip back into that mindset, literally it took me like, I want to say a couple weeks just to like get used to waking up again early <laughs> because, you know, waking up at like 10 and then ten, like 10 minutes before what I have to do versus waking up three hours before what I have to do is so such a like circadium said no for such a long time and like having to rewire your circadium is so hard i don't know if you guys remember like summer then school mm -mm. Mm -mm. oh yeah like yes. you had like the last mm -hmm. like week or so to try to like fix your schedule or mm -hmm. you're fucked Basically. yeah i try to like do that <laughs> almost weekly because when it hits the weekend we'll hang out to like five in the morning and then on monday i have to wake up for class and luckily like i can just roll out of bed but it sucks and I can't imagine having to do that when returning in person because commuting from here, like, I don't, oh, man. Oh, dude, yeah. I, I you do were have, like, I have to wake up like two hours earlier. I have to leave here by six to beat traffic and other things. And tying it back to Aya's question, like, I'm wondering if education and the workforce will change after this. Will it evolve? Will it be reformed? Will we, we reconsider work hours, the work days of the week? Will we reconsider homework? There's a lot of stuff that's air, at least that I've talked about with a lot of teachers, where it's just like, do we even, well, we still need in-person school, but it's like, do we even need school? 
in the same traditional sense that we've had it. It's been in this factory setting to teach a mass group. That doesn't work anymore because one person to 170 students, that's really unrealistic when you think about it. But that's what I do. And like that just doesn't work to teach a mass group. I don't know. That was a factory mindset needs to change. And so people, teachers are starting to question, where will it go from here? Who's going to change it? Will we change or will we go back to normal? Will we be better or will we actually advocate and have higher wages and have a four-day work week? I don't know. What do you all think? Like, do you think it's actually going to change, especially the different types of uh, spaces we're in right now? Maybe in particular, Mario, like, how do you, do you think the essential workspace will change in relation to that question? Well, okay, wait, right before I forget, my only point is that I hope they, <laughs> I, I hope they at least change how PTO is, is gathered or is accumulated, you know? You know how, like, people, like, from other countries look um, from the outside in of how our whole like sick leave is run. Yeah. Everyone looking in is kind of like, why do you have to accumulate hours? If you're sick, you just bring in a sick note and then you take a day off. Whereas like with us, it's kind of like, I, I have to like come in, I'm still sick, but I have to come in or else like, because I don't have enough like PTO or whatever, or like I don't have sick leave or whatever. So I'm just hoping, you know, in, in the idea of a pandemic and people ex like experience like covid like symptoms or or at least like any sick symptoms like they they leave that kind of like what we have what workers have to go through right now i think especially with actually speaking of current events about raising the national minimum wage that holds dispute now that's kind of crazy real quickly if anybody knows how it feels to work in a minimum wage job especially like literally jobs anybody can pick up but choose not to they're the toughest and i'm talking about retail customer service food though yo them jobs is no joke you put up with hundreds of people a day but so much shit and you he, put up with a lot of shit and things that shouldn't fly but you gotta do it anyway just so that you can c continue making like a living and the thing is like me working in customer service for god knows how long a third of my life talking to people and just like understanding where other people are coming from took me a while to get to this idea because at first when you work in a job like that you you kind of think like a robot you're like okay customer is giving me complaint a i need to respond with solution a you start adapting you start becoming more realistic more human with people so that's kind of where i kind of consolidate with the idea that if somebody's having a bad day, it's not personal. It's just like, you got to think like that person. What are they going through right now? Is is the argument or is the conflict that you're going to ensue into even worth it for the both of you? So like, if someone's really acting acting like a bitch, <laughs> I let them act like a bitch. Because if that's going to make them feel better at the end of the day, then so be it. I ain't going to see that person ever unless they're a regular. But in terms of working, people need to understand that the essential workers, whether it is actually in a hospital or you are working at a McDonald's drive-thru, the shit y'all have to put up with in terms of following safety guidelines, following company guidelines, being able to work a manageable schedule with, for a lot of people, skeleton crews. If you don't know what the term skeleton crew means, it means literally bare bones. Companies think of the most minimal way to make efficient productivity. And what does that do to people? It burns them out fast. 
And it's really hard to keep up with that when people are dropping like flies from work. And it's not just because they don't want to work. Some people actually choose not to work during this time because they're actually afraid of this pandemic. Props to you. There's people that are working in these essential workplaces that got COVID and no longer come back. It happens. But for the people that are still working and are still on their feet, healthy, having to still go through with a lot of the shit with most of the time being understaffed, I think a lot of people need to like take a look upon those type of efforts from people and really just start thinking about, damn, these people deserve a little better than what they're doing. Sometimes these jobs, they're not desirable because of the pay, but the shit that you do in order to make up for that job task, those qualifications, it's a lot. Could you imagine places get, you getting paid like, like shit, I was, I was just thinking about this right now. My first job, I was getting paid eight bucks an hour. I was working in fast food. And then I got to Starbucks. Starbucks gave me like a $10 per hour wage when I was in high school. I thought 10 bucks an hour was pretty lit. I ain't gonna lie. Damn, 10 bucks an hour. This is awesome. There, there's still people... some places here in Long Beach that pay like 10, 12 an hour. Yeah. Yeah, my first and job was like... right before the $10 minimum wage. And then it went up. That was for San Francisco. Yeah. And it was just so it was just so crazy to me that like I was so I was so comfortable obviously being a dependent person in another household and my income didn't really matter in terms of like how I was going to do as a person whether I was going to pay the bills or not because I didn't have to worry about that shit but now you gotta put myself from that Mario seven years ago to current day Mario who actually does pay for a lot of his stuff um who tries to contribute to his family's you know bills as a whole it's a lot. And if I was going to be content with a $10 per hour wage, I would think I'm on crack because this is not possible. Also, with COVID, people need to understand that washing your hands didn't just exist in 2020. Wow, I, hygiene. I, Who thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? Like, hygiene works? What? It, it's, it's really crazy to me that all of a sudden, because of a pandemic, people started judging you for not wearing gloves, not literally carrying a bottle of sanitizer in your pocket at all times. It's just like you were not like that 2019, literally another a, a, another year before you would literally like willingly go to crowded spaces for like festivals, for public events, concerts. You even like indulged in physical activity that is like considered really bad hygiene. And you're going to tell me now all of a sudden because there's a virus that spreads because of lack of that, all of a sudden washing your hands every two seconds is a problem. All of a sudden. It's always been a thing. And I think what these companies don't realize is now they're kind of more on the watch about how they sanitize and hygiene their work, their workspace. I feel like they should continue doing that when we're done with this. We shouldn't just go back to like, all right, cool, COVID's gone. We can go back to living in a pigsty. No, a clean workspace is, a, is an efficient workspace. And if you are going to just drop it because it's no longer a minimal qualification, like, why do we got to work the minimum? Why can't we just continue to strive to be this overproductive, you know, effort to ensure safety for the people you hire? Why is it that they got to go through so much shit just because you have to? If COVID-19 was a thing, like, let's just go back a year ago in January when COVID was just being known, but it wasn't a pandemic issue, I bet none of y'all that were critiquing people on how they looked and how they spelled and how they portrayed themselves in terms of hygiene, you would never give a shit. I'm looking at you. I know you're listening to this part. You're, you're guilty. I know you are. And you're probably still going to continue being judgmental to those who are, for example, homeless. Homeless people... 
don't have access to a bathroom. Fun fact, I actually have a person who's homeless. I recently got into an argument with her, but I felt bad because, honestly, she's homeless. What can she do? She always comes by the kiosk at Starbucks. She always asks me for a cup of ice and a hot cup of water, like three, four times a day. I'm not even kidding. Where I work, it's a long strip called Il Camino. If anybody that lives in the Bay Area know about Il Camino, it's it's a it's a freeway. It's a it's a super long road, but I consider it like a freeway. I've seen this lady patrol that entire road from my work all the way down to where my where I live. I've seen her like travel. So obviously she goes places. She doesn't have a home because a fat backpack and a shopping cart with her at all times that contains either trash, belongings, etc. At first, when I when she when I first started seeing her, I want to say back in September, I didn't know why she kept wanting to get hot water and ice. And I, I, my first thought was, oh, maybe she likes hot water poured in ice. I don't know. Some people just have a weird thing for that. Then I found out like a month or two later from a coworker, she goes outside with that hot cup of water and she washes her hands with it. And she uses the ice to counteract the boiling water making contact to her skin. Yo, that's morbid. She gotta do that? Just to be hygienic and just to be allowed inside the store again? Keep in mind, her hands are still not that pretty. But obviously I don't judge because she pays. Every now and then she does get a couple dollars from people. And she purchases coffee. So she will give me money. And money is always going to be dirty. So I never judge her on that. But it's just like... There's people like that that are attempting to follow guidelines, but they just don't have the resources to do that. They don't live in a home with proper plumbing. They got to literally go after it in the most ghettoest way possible. And you got to give props to that. It might be annoying. Like, oh God, here she comes again asking for her fifth cup of hot water. But it's like, she's just trying to wash her hands. She's just trying to practice safety, y'all. And if we're not able to provide that, for essential workers, how the hell are homeless people even going to be okay with this? You know? No, I was just going to add a little bit like, yeah, I think that's like the whole thing with like attribution error and like classism or like, or just like anyism in general where don't like when you're, when someone's doing something, don't like that whole first, yeah, control that you have, you know, be careful with that because the whole like attribution error is so real and it's so prominent in everything that you do that's like that it is that bias that's there and it's like you want to be like oh yeah this homeless person they're doing this but also like yo it's tough and if you're in that situation you would do the same thing and like don't just like put yourself in their shoes because that doesn't help you and doesn't help them like just be understanding and this isn't a, like a call out to you, Mario. I'm just like, I'm saying it in general. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. When you guys were like talking about that, it just started to make, uh, it just got me thinking about how homeless people are viewed in today's society and how they're always like looked down upon. And it just, it got me in a mood. <laughs> but like how you were talking about like how there are homeless people right now, they're even trying to like comply with like COVID guidelines. Think about how if we're talking about people being susceptible right now, to COVID, they are very susceptible as of right now. And to be honest, we don't have a lot of free testing in a lot of places. So how are they going to get tested? Are they going to get tested safely? I don't know. It's like really off topic, but I'm currently reading this book. Um, It's called Period Power by Nadia Okamoto. It's really, really good. But it's just kind of just talking about um, how periods are viewed 
in today's society and how hygiene um, and access to feminine products is just so hard nowadays. And the author, she was talking about how she was talking to a lot of homeless women and was curious about like how they take care of themselves whenever they have their periods. And they said that sometimes what they would have to do is that they would have to find strips of cardboard boxes, use those, grab random cotton balls. They have to get those really, really thin tissue paper um, from like the public bathrooms, use those for days. Even they even have to dig through the trash and find plastic bags and sometimes just keep that there. Just, you know, sometimes they'll even just like sit in a squat for days because they literally have nowhere else to go or, you know, they don't want to bleed out anywhere. They're literally doing the best they can, (laughs) you know, just given the resources that they're being provided with. It just made me think like they're trying so hard to be hygienic in this sense. And people nowadays have the fucking nerve to complain if you have to complain. To wash your hands maybe like two or three more times in your day fuck out i agree it's that whole like check your privilege the whole like classical thing i said earlier but like check your privilege because even if privilege is a spectrum first of all we love intersectionality but even if let's say you think you're not privileged in one section you're i bet you're privileged in another so please check your privilege especially when you're in a grocery store don't ask me to wash my fucking hands when you've been touching groceries that 30 people have already fucking bukkakied all over that's all i have to say you can't oh my god all right i don't want to have to explain what bukkake means all i'm saying is just there's there's hundreds of people that be touching shit all over the place you really think every acre of a building is sanitized you're really gonna tell me that because i don't look like i'm doing it you're not doing it Come on, man. You probably pick your nose. <laughs> and then you probably pick your nose in the car in the parking lot before you come in here. Shit, you probably sneeze in your mask and you're just trying to, you know, not show that you sneeze in your mask by taking it off. Come on, man. There's people out there that, yo, I, I see it. Like, hypocrites. <laughs> They're easy to find. And even the most obvious of places, like, come on. You're going to get mad at me because I didn't use soap three times in my hand wash. You want me to, like, actually squirt three pumps of soap into my hand, not just two? Okay, sure. You only while say you're happy birthday it. once instead of twice while you're washing your hands? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just disgusting. It's, it's, it's really it's stupid. Like, I work in one of the most susceptible places to get COVID. Don't tell me to wash my hands. By by the time you tell me that, you probably already got it. Like, come on, come on. No offense, but what was that? Um, that one scene from We Bear Bears where it's like the dude who like sneezed into his hand, and they were oh oh and the mom with her kid like touched the bowl too. Yes, the kid was eating something, and then the mom like licked her thumb. Yeah. Put it on her son's face, and like you could just see all this like germ. Like, Panda was monkey. That's oh literally what y'all God. be looking like. That's literally what y'all look like. And, and it's someone coming now. Enemy. Um, that reminded me. I don't know if anyone has seen the Mark Rober video where he went to uh, I don't know what year they were, but they're like kindergarten or first graders or something, and he sprayed I think just one area i don't remember what it was probably like the sink or something or no just one kid's hands with um the black light 
um like spray thing just to see like this was in the beginning like of how COVID. it travels yeah just to see how it travels and like at, at the end of it there was like all over their faces like all over the desk was, was it the same one is it similar to like it was like a a dinner party all in like yeah very similar to that one yeah you know what i'm talking about it's like the dinner party where ever like the, someone one person has like the sp- the the uv spray or whatever Mm-hmm. And then they're all at a dinner party to see it's a social experiment. And then to see, I think there's like 15 people or something like that, see how it spreads. And then at the very end, they put on the black light and you just see everywhere. <laughs> not like even the someone who was like very like, you know, meticulous about how they touch stuff. There's at least like five fingerprints on all, all over them. But <laughs> circling back, sorry, circling back to uh, Kuya's question. I don't think, personally, I think in terms of essential workers, I don't think it's going to change. Because if it didn't change during the pandemic, it's probably not going to change after. But in terms of like people that are working from home, I think most like companies or just most organizations in general will probably start thinking about hybrid. Where like some days, or like they'll, they'll switch off. They'll alternate like who goes in um, and who stays at home. But other than that, I, I really don't. I don't think it's going to change too much. I hope it will. But also, like, as we said, productivity wise, I don't know. I don't see how they're going to figure it out right away. If not right away, but like once we do start trying to go back into like in-person things. I feel that I'd like it to change. I don't know if it will, because someone has to lead by example. Definitely got to be like a big, in this case, tech company or somebody that's going to, which like it's been done in other countries. I mean, it's happening in other countries. And I don't know if it was Microsoft or someone who has been testing out like a four day work week pre pandemic, and their employees are showing higher productivity. Will that change to your hybrid point? I've heard buzz that next semester is going to be hybrid. I'm kind of like, what's the point of that? (laughs) Maybe I understand for younger kids, and probably high school too, because they need that social interaction. But unless it's safe, I'm down for it. Because I you know, this is my job, I have to do it, I have to go back eventually. But like per Mario's point, if Biden makes it safe, I'll go back. But what is the point of hosting hybrid if not everyone's vaccinated? Students are not on the priority list, which sucks. And what I Mm -hmm. wanted to ask, this could be for everybody, because you all experienced pandemic learning this past in the past year for college, but maybe more so for Bryn, like, do you think do you think it's going to change for the next school year? Um, Or something will happen? I don't know. Like, yeah, it's really hard to say because we got the email from USF that they're planning to have school reopen again um, for fall of 2021. And, but like the way that they worded the email, it was very much like a, we want to do that, but we're going to see where everything is like with the vaccines and stuff. Because at the same time, like, I think what they're hoping is that all the students can be vaccinated before they come back to campus. I don't know how they're going to monitor that. I have no idea. I'm just kind of like looking at that. I think we may do hybrid. I will say though, I am not. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to online learning as of right now. I think just like when we first got into it, like it was pretty easy for me at first, like just being like a natural like homebody and like just being me. Like I love to sleep, so like it was just easy for me to just like wake up and then maybe like five minutes before class, and then I can just like you know open my laptop and like there we go. Now, as I'm kind of like settling more into it, I'm kind of like missing how things were like in person. Because while I was at school, I also worked 
in the health promotion services. So I was also able to like work there. But I did like appreciate at the time, you know, if I was like on campus, I can be like, oh, you know, when I'm done with my done with my shift, I can go back home and rest. So it was just like something to like look forward to. And it was able to like separate like work and like leisure really easily. But like now that I'm at home, it's kind of just like this weird middle ground. I don't know how to word it, but it's just kind of like, you're not really fully enjoying it as much, I guess. And I don't know about how you guys are, but it's just this weird feeling. I felt it uh, during last semester where if I was at home and I was like doing like, I don't know, if I was like cleaning my room or like cooking or something, there was like a part of me that was like, wait a minute, I'm not on my laptop. I should be doing something right about now. There should be an assignment that I should be working on. It feels, it felt weird to rest, which was like insane to me. Um, Avery, what you're saying, like in terms of like the productivity or how you're seeing like uh, the different requirements for workers, maybe because of COVID as like someone who's like entering their second semester, junior year, going to enter their senior year. I'm really, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do for the job requirements going in because I'm currently on the PT route. And they require a certain amount of hours working under like PT practice or like certain like volunteer hours, right? But as of right now, the hospitals or any practices, they're not accepting anybody because they want to keep any everybody like, you know, safe right now. So then in a way, it puts a lot of people behind if they don't have that access. So then it turns into like, you know, stack a lot of people's plans. Are they going to require different hours or like, you know, less hours? I have no clue. I think it's definitely going to change for a lot of like people who are wanting to go into healthcare. I don't know if it's for the better or not. Even like with this coming semester, I'm going to have to take labs. And taking labs online just sound like I haven't done it yet, but it sounds so weird like in practice. Like I know a lot of people who were taking like labs for like anatomy and stuff, but they would just have to do it like on a screen. And I feel like that's, especially with like something like PT, which is very, very hands-on, you know, and you're coming into contact with a lot of people. I feel like that's just something that's really essential that you need to like be there for. I, I, I kind of, I really do want to be back in person uh, for the fall. But at the same time, like, I also am scared, especially if like the vaccines aren't going to be like required. I, I have no idea how they're going to manage that. I think how productivity will be affected and like how maybe the idea of returning to, you know, normal lifestyle is dependent on like generation or like work status almost because I feel like students are going to have almost an easier time staying within this like work from home type of bubble versus like people who are like in at least their 30s or even maybe even as late as like 40s, they're going to be more... like they're gonna want to go back to like a a physical lifestyle more just because that's what they knew and maybe correct me if I'm wrong but like when the whole like internet generation came up and like technology advanced to have like internet at a more accessible like rate like people prior to that I think people who are in their 40s now like they didn't necessarily depend on internet as much as and technology as much as we do so having to go back to that physical lifestyle maybe you know, Avery, you can say towards like your the teacher teachers that are older within your like school, like they they were having a harder time like trying to adapt to like Zoom classes than than anyone else. You adapted to probably Zoom faster than than most people just because you knew what it was. And then 
you did all this like Google Classroom stuff already and you took all these like not certifications but like Google classes so that you can make classroom and Zoom stuff more efficient. But then versus like your older um, teachers, they don't do that or like they're not, I'm not going to say mentally equipped, but they don't, they don't strive towards that like techn technologically like based mm -hmm. stuff. So I feel like people who are older than us will definitely be like, we need to get back to working in a, in a physical space and then their productivity will, will shoot up compared to now. Yeah, I like, think that, okay. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think depending on the age, it'll change because I, I forget that some of the people I work with are my parents' age. For some reason, it's just, that's just disconnected for me because my parents are close to retirement. My mom's 65. My dad's like 63 or something. I forget that there's people still teaching from their generation, but it's weird because my parents just have a, a different mindset, maybe because I influenced them to think that way. But then some of my older coworkers, as like Aya was describing, they were not quick on the shift. You know, Aya, as she described, as soon as pandemic hit, I hopped on YouTube. I hopped on all this shit to make everything digital. For me, it is good because everything was so seamless. I was already doing stuff online. We just happened to be in person. So I was like, oh, well, all my shit's already there. I don't got to do anything. And to your point about like the different generational parts, especially people in like their 40s, I could even say like people in their mid 30s, it depends on the type of either access to technology or the influence it had on them. For example, like my oldest brother and my oldest cousin, uh, they're around the same age, but my oldest cousin is way more removed from technology than Aya's oldest brother. But he also works in an industry that requires him to be working from home like that. And he's very much into, you know, video games and tech like that. Whereas my cousin's a civil engineer. He's very hands-on. And that, that job requires him to be on site. Like he's managing people on the, on the construction site and everything. I think, yeah, depending on the type of job and on the person, it'll probably work better for them to go back, especially those older generations. I'm wondering, you know, what different types of obstacles will be in their way, because I know a lot of the older teachers have expressed they are reluctant to return to work because they live with their parents or they have other elderly family members that live with them and being exposed to kids. That's the biggest reason they don't want to go back in person, though it would. I think they would agree that they would do better in person is because not only are they already at an at-risk age, they live with someone who has dementia, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, whatever you can think of at their house who's over 80 years old. But if you remove that variable, I think they would definitely be more productive in person. I also want to ask, like, in terms of, like, university productivity as, as students, because I know that, like, Bren, you said that USF is being, like, we want to go back to in-person by, by fall or something, but they don't mm -hmm. know yet. Whereas like Cal State Long Beach, they're trying to hardline, try to get back into, um, what is it, into in-person. I guess for everyone else's like opinion, how do you think that like maybe private versus like public universities or like schooling systems will, will kind of handle that? Because I feel with public systems, I feel like, you know, more people go to like public, public schooling systems than, than private. And so I feel like they're more pressured to during during this pandemic they're they're more pressured to like get back into per, into in-person teaching so i'm just wondering what the difference is in terms of that um i don't know the difference but i know that my old high school i went to a private high school and they're doing technically hybrid where it's like you can choose to go to school in person because they know that a lot of their students they know that some of their students don't have the resources to be able to um, do work at home. 
have school at home, so I just wanted to add that. I don't know. That's what my high school's doing. Sorry, what did I miss? Oh, Avery, I kind of... (laughs) No, yeah, it's okay. Um, I pointed the question. um, I pointed out that versus how USF is kind of... They want to get back to in-person schooling by by fall, but they're kind of like, if it happens, like, if if the situation allows it. But put it towards, like, Cal State Long Beach, where they're, like, trying to hardline get everyone back into schooling by fall. So I'm just wondering what kind of... How do private versus public universities or schooling systems like take on this we need to get back in um to in-person teaching and like kind of like what the differences are to my knowledge private schools are already back not colleges private schools have been in school unless they closed again back in september san francisco all private schools were back if you didn't know that all the kids k through high school and that's why the mayor was pushing for SFUSD to open because all of these schools are back. We should we should let our we should let the public kids go back. The general populace, right? And it was happening all over the Bay Area, maybe all over the state. Uh, my friend from elementary school, he's a elementary school teacher. He went back in person in November, and I was scared for him. He was like, "I'm scared, bro. Like, I don't want to go back. I, I miss the kids, but I'm putting my life on the line." And I'm like, "I know you are. You know, elementary school, you work with the same thirty or so kids, so they had social distancing measures and everything." I got to message him again, but he said their hybrid model isn't hybrid in the way that you think part of the week is in school, part of the week is online. It's hybrid that he's teaching in person and online simultaneously by himself without a manager, a media manager or a sound engineer or whatever. So he so he has his computer open teaching to the kids on Zoom and then teaching to the kids in person. And I was like, what the that's. That sounds crazy, you know, That's because I'm trying to... That literally sounds like double the work. Yeah, it, yeah. I think it is, you know. It, it's what I'm doing here, oh but he has to do it in Dude, person. And yeah, it's... And people are doing that across the state, maybe across the country right now. And I think that's absurd. Double the work, definitely. I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> um, and then Do they don't they provide. increase his pay for that or no? I don't think so. And it's uh, it's a private school. So, you teachers more. You know, private schools <laughs> don't make that much money or pay teachers that much. Right? It's, it's different because, well, I don't know how to explain it. But at least from my understanding, when I was applying to jobs, the amount that I was going to get for working at my alma mater or my high school was a couple thousand dollars less than I would earn at working at SFUSD. Now, the difference was, uh, which I don't know, I learned more about this, but they offered me stuff like retirement, 401k and other things, which the district doesn't because it's public. So if you work in anything public, I guess, like the government, mailmen, teaching or whatever, they don't offer you retirement stuff. But that was like kind of the give or take on it and the less pay uh, because, you know, the income is coming from the tuition itself, whereas the income for public schools is from tax, right? I think they oppose that for SFUSD as well, for us to teach online and in person at the same time. And I'm like, but at the high school level, I'm rotating kids every single hour. How am I supposed to manage that? And they said that we were supposed to clean the rooms ourselves between every period, wipe everything down, you know, set wow. it up. And I'm like, there goes my five minutes of, you know, pairing for the next class. And you're telling me I have to clean the room every single time. That's the other part that's like, per what Mario said earlier. I agree school should open, but there's no plan. Are you going to give us a sanitation team? Are you going to give us a testing team? Are you even going to provide us PPE? This whole time of this pandemic planning that San Francisco has been doing, they have yet to gather three months of PPE. Three months. That's it for the whole district. They say that they have it, but I'm like, we haven't even opened up yet. And what is three months? Is it just N95 masks? Or do you actually have face shields for everybody and for the kids? Who Who is three months for? 
Is it just for the administrators? Like that's the, it's so non-transparent. It's very upsetting. And I get why it's important to return in person, but it, there's just such a lack of support with it. Like in terms of our government and everything, like just bringing all this full circle, the trillions of dollars that go into national defense and then the lack of money that doesn't go into education or healthcare, just to give our general populace, as you're all saying, proper hygiene, proper, what's the word I'm looking for, medical equipment, or to take care of your period, or just to brush your teeth or whatever. It's so backwards that we have so much money available, but it's not going to all of these things that we're talking about just to keep everybody alive. And we hit 400,000 deaths in the US. You know what's funny? Prior to 2016, definitely 2015, where I mean, I was still in high school, I didn't I, I wasn't I was very privileged at the point where like, I didn't really think about politics. And especially when Trump was about to come into power, my friends and I were talking about like, what what the country would look like once Trump was president. And I like foolishly was saying like, you know, as much as I don't like Trump, I, I think at least he'd be like the best person to reduce our like national debt. And then look, look at it now. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, we're, we're probably more in debt than like ever. And like, it's like, where is all this money being allocated to in the general sense? Like where? And I'm just, I'm just like now looking at like my past self, like, oh my God, I was so fucking dumb. <laughs> I think that to echo what you were like, you and Mario were mentioning earlier, like the little things that he did, which I don't keep track tabs on Trump, but, and I think even Aya's dad has told me this and my dad too, is that in terms of trading or trading bans on like China and other things, like he actually did what he was setting out to do or whatever that is to be hard on that stuff to make sure certain jobs and certain things come back to American made. Apparently he did that. But then to Aya's point, like how how much has the market crashed and will crash after this? How much more debt are we in already? How much has he pardoned and lined his pockets with? I think it was yesterday that I saw in the news about, um, you know, because folks want him. What is it not after impeachment, but for his removal, because if it actually goes through with it, he loses his pension. He loses his Secret Service access. And then the news and stuff was like looking at how where is the Secret Service now and how many millions of dollars are being of taxpayer money is being paid for the secret service for him when all of his current secret service is being used to line his golf courses his trump towers be his personal private security yeah. there mm-hmm. and it's like what yeah. oh my god does it does it yeah. take um I, taxpayer money to to pardon someone speaking of pardon oh. take a shot but speaking of pardoned uh lil wayne and kodak black have been pardoned oh kodak black too yep kodak black I know Kodak Lil Black. Wayne, oh. definitely, because that was, like, trending on Twitter, but... Dang. Kodak Black might be pardoned. Wait, wait, okay, wait, what for? He had... So he was arrested recently for having possession of weapons, like, a lot, like, ARs oh, I didn't see that. and shit yeah. like that. Like, that boy had a whole artillery in his house. Does it seem kind of like, like a white, like, a white savior type of, type of deal that, like, Trump is pardoning all these, like, people of color, or these BIPOC people? Maybe. Cause like for the, for like the the contemporary like media, really like what people have been like focusing on is like he's yeah I mean now that I learned it's like he's pardoning Will Wayne and Kodak Black, like who else is he gonna pardon, and like what is that and like for why? Well, it can only tell. I mean, when you get pardoned, it doesn't mean that you're no longer able to get arrested again. But I don't know. Maybe he's doing it just to kind of like stir some shit before he leaves. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely been like. Trump's mentality like there was one thing he said back in 2016 or no it wasn't 20 it was like a it was an old interview of him and he said that if he were to ever to run for presidency or president 
or any government that he personally believed the country. This is the weird part hearing him say this because it was uh, he said the United States is too complacent in where they are with everything. Everyone's getting too comfortable. If I were to become president, I'd want to shake things up so people wake up and see the wrong or something. He said something like that. And I was like, that's the same guy, this lunatic that's running for president right now. And the way he said it, he was talking about like injustices in the economy and other things. And I'm like, what the heck? This sounds like two different people. I mean, um, okay, to his point, he created so much controversy that people really woke up to like, the fuck is wrong with, pe- with people like him? Mm-hmm. So it's it, he kind of kind of achieved his like his quote there. Yeah. If if he still has that intention in him, right? Maybe like who knows? Because there was someone who was saying like typically after a presidency, people kind of forget the things that have happened, right? I don't think anyone's really gonna forget that he got impeached twice and all this bullshit that he's done. He's definitely going down as like in the history. worst president. But what if after this? I mean, like look at look at Bush. For Wait, some reason, sorry. he's kind of like a, a good guy now and it's like real quick thing didn't trump say like during his like leave he didn't want to hear anything about nixon i don't i don't that was like recently trending on twitter or something like that like he as it's like transitioning to a different power it's like he kept saying like i don't want to hear shit about nixon or something like that he's really trying to like not like to himself go down as like the worst (laughs) president even though he is not a crook (laughs) (laughs) speaking of 2016 that just made me think because like i know we kind of talked about it how like everything that's going on in the news currently how a lot of us have been like desensitized i guess to a lot of the stuff it just made me think how in 2016 when trump got elected i think that was like i don't know i think that was the first time i had ever been like so like enraged and sad and scared about anything regarding politics like ever but i think after that point then everything that was just pity i was just kind of like eh it was coming y'all you know? y'all should have seen undercalf november in in 2016 mm. that's where like the like tvs are so mm-hmm. when when that election <clears throat> result thing happened and, and i think me and avery were were going out to like dinner or something and we yeah. were passing it i remember that we, yeah we, like you could just see all these people like so defeated people were crying like just to just how horrible like these results were i was in high school still and i just remember showing up to school that day and you know all the like we i have a lot of trump supporters in my area so like literally it's not to say but it was like the typical everyone who drove like a pickup truck had their flag on the car they were just blasting their horns at like 7 a.m in the morning who the fuck does that i don't know but they were going around wearing their MAGA hats everywhere and i just remember um i think they had tv going on in the library no one ever goes to the library in our school but all of a sudden you see all of the poc students in the library and it's oh, dead God. silent and some of them are crying in the corner some of them are hide- are like literally hiding there because they don't know what to do like so mm-hmm. scared to like step outside and you know i went in there too because like i just wanted to see like what was going on on tv but it was just so disheartening to see like literally the fear that was put in so many students hearts that day yeah it's all true because like yeah. uh, i think it was the next day the school that I was at, it's demographically black, brown, Latino, it's where Samoan specifically, and a lot of Pacific Islanders. The one you were interning for? Yeah, the one I was interning at. The neighborhood is just like that in general, kind of like the, the Bayview-ish area of San Francisco. A lot of students who are English learners, like kind of like Bryn was describing, they were scared because they're just like, we have to, I don't know, I can't even voice what they were feeling because like, do we have to leave? Are we going to get kicked out? Um, I know I can't be here. 
And then a lot of other students, they stormed the streets. The class was empty. There was about maybe the, the kids who stayed were scared, you know, like about a dozen of them or so. Uh, and then the rest of them put on the projector and hella kids left the school. They went downtown to City Hall and marched uh, in protest of Trump because they didn't want to accept this future and this reality. And so we watched the live stream. We saw some of the some of the classmates on there. Um, it was crazy. There's that half, but then the fear is unsettling for me to see because I don't I don't know what they're going through. And then here we are four years later. I, I didn't think that this all of this would would happen. I mean, you know, people predicted it and everything, but like per that point that I mentioned about Trump, I wasn't expecting him to win. I got complacent, very comfortable with an Obama era and like Hillary's just gonna continue four years of that, you know. Yeah. I um I was really sad because yeah, when Donald Trump got announced as president, I I I really wanted to go back to my high school because I saw all of these like stories and like snaps and like articles about how my high school specifically, they spent at least four or five days, so basically the whole school week, uh spending their um their breaks, their lunches and even like um skipping classes to meet into the quad to voice out, especially like a lot of black students. When like when it got announced and I saw all that happening, I there was nothing I wanted to do more than be there with them. It was so saddening. Like I mean, it was very powerful, but it was like so saddening to hear how much they knew that this was going to be like a shit terp and that that like it was going to be so so damaging, especially to the black community. Like how like how damaging it was going to be for them. And to see like you know because I was in choir and stuff to see like my the people that I was in choir with to to be like the spokesperson for those rallies and stuff like I it was it was it was really powerful but I was to be pushed to the point where like maybe you're you're a shy person or like you're you're paralyzed or something like that and you feel so moved enough to be in front of all these people and be the spokesperson for everyone because you know your your life is going to be in danger because of this this whole thing yeah I kind of had the same experience as Bryn because I also went to a primarily white high school and I went to like a white like private school and so so many of them I remember I don't I, I want to say half of them and I went I my high school was huge we were like once called the largest private school like west of the Mississippi or something and so the fact that like so many of them were loud and proud wearing their like MAGA hats they were like walking around being like yo we're pro-Trump and everything the day he was elected everyone all of us we were all just terrified I don't think I think a couple of my friends at one point I'm, I'm not friends with them anymore obviously but like a couple of my friends were pro-Trump and it's it was super interesting because one of them was white the other one was Mexican I see your I see your faces yeah she was like I don't I don't want to get into it but everyone else once we especially like me hearing that like a couple of my friends are pro-Trump I was like I'm hiding we all just hid we didn't say anything we just like mourned within ourselves and that was like the hardest part to watch because um my high school was also the like base the intersection for one for the protests in like Orange County so there's like pictures of like just the intersection with like our sign our wall sign out in the front and this like they were also like throwing i think a, a couple of us were still there on campus but they were when during the march or during the protests 
they were like throwing stuff over our fences. They were throwing like glass bottles onto our campus at the students. And so even that was terrifying to hear. And the fact that happened and we couldn't really do anything about it. For me, like I and I both experienced the same thing. I was actually there at UC1 watching like the final results about to like hit and shit was tough i think there was like one dude one or two dudes in the very front who were definitely pro-trump were just like yeah yeah let's go yeah let's go you know they're like you see like two people versus like a hundred in that area it's like so crowded yeah it's so crowded you got like two or three people like going crazy that trump won and you're just like i stand there and i'm just like yo y'all can't be that serious right it was such a it was so eerie. Everybody just went dead. The vibe was dead. The vibe check was not passed at all. Everybody just straight up quiet. It was a mute ass night. And it sucks because, you know, Undercap is lit. That night we were just like, yo, we're just going to go back to the dorms and we're just going to, we're going to go to sleep. <laughs> like, it was such a terrible feeling. And for me, somebody who doesn't really know politics like that, but knows trump like that i was just like yo y'all can't be this serious like i thought it was crazy that arnold schwarzenegger was our governor mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. trump as president knowing what he was already saying like in like all his presidential speeches or his running speeches beyond me yeah when you bring that up like i don't know where i saw it but you know arnold being our governor it was very much like that kind of reality tv show kind of feeling when he came in i didn't really follow politics because you know we're all children then but i knew who the terminator was and i knew he was my governor and i was like, i was like i didn't even know that could be a thing and then there's manny pacquiao but anyways you know and then like people were saying uh trump comes in it's gonna be like a big reality tv show Ugh. and like low-key it like has been <laughs> you know like it's like some of this yeah. stuff you can't even, some Past of this stuff years. you can't even write yeah I know you can't even write some of these things. I think I saw this one tweet of like an author that said, you know how difficult it is to write about breaking into the Capitol or breaking into any high secure place. And they just walked right through the front door. And like people are just like, you can't write that shit. And it happened. And it's just like, mm-hmm. who would have thought all of the memes and everything like it's harder to get into EDC than it is the Capitol. Yeah. I don't know what else is there. You know, like I think people were just like, you can't even do this in GTA 5. <laughs> or, For real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For real. Here's 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 some final words though. I think whatever happens moving forward, I think we just need to remember that Biden is our president now, but that doesn't mean that he's necessarily a president to look forward to. We still need to hold whatever promises and stuff like that accountable cuz a lot of the stuff that you say is all very easy to muster. But it's very difficult to even get through. Like, I'm talking about this man has to undo over 600 immigration policies, probably 300 public policies. And the biggest one of them all, I think I was reading, one of the hardest things he's going to have to undo that Trump did was the whole public charge thing where people that are not residents don't reside permanent residents in this country, whether or not they get to stay or not. Can Biden and government control how ICE does their job? Can they really make these families stay in this country because every person in this country is valuable, whether they're working in the country, 
whether they are going to school or whether they're just being a consumer. It's important to remember that Biden is the president, but that does not mean that the problem is gone. The problem is still very strong. It's still very there. And we need, as people that are able to, need to push the agenda that this man Biden needs to follow what he promises in his first 100 days. Now, I understand maybe not everything might get accomplished, but he needs to put that effort that he was promising. And we're only going to have to just hope for the best. And hopefully by the time the holidays come around again, yes, the holidays. It is January, and I'm talking about the holidays. <laughs> if I'm able to go see my family without having to worry about COVID during the holidays, that would be a dream come true. But it's only going to be able to happen if we hold not just Biden, but also the people around us accountable to, hey, Trump may not be president, but that does not give you the right to not give a shit. Still got to keep doing this. Still got to keep wearing the mask. We still got to keep respecting distance when possible. We're so far, but we could be so close if we just put in a little bit of effort. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Wine Thursday. At the end of our, every episode, we give a, a shout out. And this week's shout out is to our DJ, musician, rising music producer, my cousin, the man who made our new intro and outro for our signature Wine Thursday podcast, Brian Jin. And you can follow him on SoundCloud at Jin Jin. That's J-I-I-N, J-I-I-N. And we're not really sure which platform he uses or handle on Instagram. There is at Kwa Min Jin, which is K-U-A-M-I-N-G-I-N, and also at N period J-I-N period J-I-N period N. If that was confusing, we'll include them in the description below. Make sure you follow us at Wine Thursday Podcast on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Spotify. Come see us at our Discord, where you can talk to us, our members, and give topic suggestions for future episodes. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week. Happy Wine Thursday. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 To a new Cheers. four years of presidency. <laughs> <laughs>